0: Oh, where am I? Really,
1: you washed up. Sorry? <laughs> Welcome to the island of discarded women, my friend. I used
0: to be somebody.
2: Are you that woman on the radio? Your island job is peladora de papas. Uh, sorry, what? Potato peeler. 87% match for uh, your skills.
0: Okay, that's not anyway. What is the second best match then?
2: Host of the island podcast.
0: Are you kidding me? No, no, see that's me. That, that's Life perfect is for
3: me. An Try to enjoy the ride.
0: Oh my gosh, the stars, Day, are so bright on the beach tonight, huh?
2: Yeah, they're gorgeous. Wow, look
0: yeah. at them. You know, it's kind of like those web telescope images. Okay, those are crazy. Okay, no, those are Super crazy, like totally unbelievable. Yeah, totally Amazing. unbelievable. And those, those images that look like, they look like mountain ranges. Mm. What is that?
2: Mm. I think those are like tons of galaxies, like waves of them. I guess. What does that even mean, like that? waves of
0: galaxies? What does that even mean? Yeah,
2: I have no idea, Sue. Don't ask me.
0: <laughs> okay, you know who would
2: know? Hmm. Mary. Oh, I know Mary. Mary would know, and she would totally tell us about all the galaxies. Yep. We're still waiting for a new computer chip,
0: right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Our favorite AI assistant is down because she needs a new chip yeah. and it hasn't arrived yet. Mm. You know, maybe this new Chips Act, right, that they just passed, maybe they'll get that <laughs> supply moving and we can get Miri back in the groove, right? right? Yeah. yeah, go,
2: Brandon.
0: Okay, can we talk about this Brandon thing? I think we should talk about this Brandon thing. So, okay, so what,
2: what? No, 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 no. We don't talk about Brandon. No no,
0: no, no, no. Okay, okay. We're talk about Brandon. All right. Fine. Fine. okay. so it was a super ugly thing at first, right? And yeah, then Joe Biden embraced it. And he was like, yeah, go Brandon. I'm cool with that. It was, you know, it was kind of like Obamacare. Remember Obamacare? It was like right. derogatory. And then Obama said, you know, actually, I do care. So right. let's so. go with Obamacare. <laughs> oh, I can't stand these stars, though. They're just so vivid. Mm. You know, growing up in Tucson, yeah, we always saw stars because we didn't have streetlights, like, no
2: streetlights, like but- virtually
0: none. I mean, there were some, and if they if they like on major boulevards, but they had to be really really dimmed low, and on the oh. highways, and and then we moved out to the desert, and there weren't any streetlights at all. Oh wow! I mean, they have this dark skies ordinance thing it's mm. for the telescopes like the web thing hey no, that's kind of cool actually yeah, yeah. they in the observatory so they can see no it's totally cool it's totally totally cool yeah. i mean it was dark it was dark was, it, was dark. it too dark like scary dark well you know think about it. another kid um it seemed scary dark to me yes when the coyotes would howl
2: oh and why was that scary
0: I don't know. It just felt really dangerous. You know, the coyotes where we live, they're not like here, where they look like cute little wolves. I mean, the coyotes there, they're they're skinny, they're scrawny, they're vicious, they're super hungry. Nothing is off limits. Garbage, house pets. But not humans,
2: right? No humans. Well,
0: not technically. But I remember one time my dad was outside trying to keep, like, 12 of them away from our garbage can. Uh And he finally just gave up. It's like, all right, fine, take the garbage. Fine, fine. And then it's like a huge mess the next day. Mm. And you know the weird thing about the coyotes? I never remember seeing any baby coyotes. They must procreate. They have to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I never saw babies. Okay, we would tease tarantulas. What? That would crawl up on our back patio. I mean, they're hairy and they're... They're gross, but they're really slow-moving. Oh! So you would take a pebble, and you'd, you'd drop it behind them, and they would be like, what is going on? <laughs> and they would, leg by leg, turn around to see what was going on. And then when they turned all the way around, you'd drop the pebble on their side, and they're going, what is happening over here? <laughs> we would do this over and over again. My mother would say, stop torturing that poor tarantula. <laughs> Desert. Definitely survival of the fittest. I mean, that's what's going on, right? Yeah. And the coyotes, they can't survive individually. Hmm. I mean, I never thought about this before, but they have no power alone. And They travel in packs. I mean, it's a mob mentality thing, and mm-hmm. that gives them their, their power, their
2: their ferociousness. Hmm. Right. I feel a metaphor coming on, Sue. To...
0: Oh, shoot, I never even thought of it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. All these folks blindly following the pack. Howling at the stars, praying they come across some garbage to sustain them. Mm -hmm. And don't you dare get in their way, Brandon. So, before we go, funniest meme this week. What's the funniest meme you saw this week?
2: Oh, okay. So I saw this meme with Hercules and Meg, okay? okay? Hercules says to Meg, Aren't you a damsel in distress? Why does he talk like this? Okay, listen, Hercules uh-huh. has to have something uh-huh. not going for him. You know, it's his voice, like, okay?
0: Like mouth work, teeth yeah. work? Okay.
2: Aren't you a damsel in distress? And so then Meg answers, I am a damsel. I am in distress, but I've got this. Have a nice day. <gasps> is my great? What? I love Meg. <laughs> She's great.
0: Okay, so here's my favorite meme. Okay, so it's a picture of Jesus. It's one of those sort of Italian Renaissance classic mm-hmm. paintings of Jesus. And he's got aviator sunglasses on. And he says, So there I was, the only white dude in Jerusalem.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> Please welcome our music guest for this evening, Courtney Yasmine. Courtney, come on up. Okay, Courtney, take it away.
1: Um, so I want to just jump right in and sing this song, but I do feel like I have to say to you that um, I've written eight albums of original material, but this song is the song that seems to be standing out in, in my life more and more lately, and it's um, an autobiographical piece. It's a story song. Bum, 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 bum Bum, 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 I was married to Bob Dylan back in 1978 Way up on the borderline with only his voice and mine to be a distraction from the cold winter's nights. I came up from Chicago when there was nothing left to save. I up and stole my daddy's car, drove by the Northern Star, looking for salvation and a place to lay my head gone away. My home, my family, and my faith Gone away, gone away Nothing ventured, nothing gained Gone away, gone away I came up in the summer But the winter soon sat in In the homestead of my grandfather, with the ghosts of my ancestors, I've reckoned with my sins. My grandfather, he had died and left the place to me. A native found him years ago, face down in the blinding snow. His ghost, it hovered over me when the winds howled round the door, gone away. My home, my family, and my faith Gone away, gone away Nothing ventured, nothing gained Gone away, gone away In Hibbing and Virginia I played from bar to bar I would sing the harmony, no one heard Bob's voice but me, Knowing he was there, gave me the courage to set me free, I tried not to look back, I switched my rail to another track, I left my family far behind and none of them got out alive. The songs were my companions when the loneliness set in. Tell me lies, tell me lies. I don't care who they were written for. Those lines should all be mine. Tell me lies, tell me lies. Your words all glowed like burning coal and I was on my knees, you know heartaches for you still you know ha ha when I was only eight years old my grandfather God bless his soul said little girl take a tip from me Wear your heart upon your sleeve. When your love goes, let him leave. You can't hold on to what's not yours to keep. Gone away, gone away, my home, my family, and my faith. Gone away, gone away, nothing ventured, nothing gained. We made, a ha uh Only goodness will remain I, Bum, bum, boom. Boom 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 I was married To Bob back in 1970 woo
0: Thank you Courtney. Courtney, <laughs> thank you so much and Zippy Zippy singing you back up yeah, thank you so much Zippy Thank you Zippy Okay, so this is really a true story. <laughs> it's for real for real, a true story, and you had spent many, many summers there,
1: yes, it, yeah, it was my grandfather's place, so I was in the family, my grandfather built it in nineteen ten so it wasn't um wasn't a glamorous place, and it wasn't meant for the winters yeah <laughs> so
0: but was it i mean winter worthy enough or how did you How did you survive?
1: <laughs> um, there There was a wood stove, and um, the little pipes froze immediately. I cut off all my hair. I was supposed to be a senior in high school that year, so I, I enrolled in the little school in the town. and um, there was a bus that came out to the um, the reservation, and they would come out and um, make a couple more extra stops and they'd come out and get me to.
0: You were telling me a story when you were talking about that, about how, um, when it be like 40 below. Yes. And you had to walk like a half a mile from the cabin to the bus stop, right? Yes,
1: because they didn't plow the peninsula that my grandfather's cabin was on because they didn't think anybody was out there. And so, and the bus driver said
0: one morning, he shared with you that mm-hmm. every morning when he left, he would tell his wife, kid's not going to be there. It's way too cold. She's not going to be there. Yeah. And you were always there. Yeah, yeah. and
1: then one morning... I was pulling the ice chunks off my eyelashes, and the bus driver says, "'Hey, I want to tell you something. Um, "'My wife and I have talked about you so much, "'and you've been here every morning, "'and my wife had a baby last night, "'and we named her after you.'" Oh.
0: (laughs) And the whole Bob Dylan thing, you you talk about finding a cassette of Bob Dylan music, and you figured out a way to listen to it in your grandpa's cabin.
1: I was already a songwriter. I had performed my first song when I was 10 on guitar at my big church in Chicago for their first acoustic service in 1970. Wow. So I I was already doing this, but I didn't know about Bob Dylan. Um, Being from Chicago, um, I just didn't. And some kids up, up on the Iron Range gave me a cassette tape and it just said Dylan on masking tape. And then I had this dictation machine that was probably from the 1950s. That was my grandfather's. And I popped it in there and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It sounded like it sounded like what I was going through. And you talk about how it it sort of it saved you basically. Yeah, 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 it saved
0: me. Um, You wrote a book. Yes. You've written a (laughs) book called A Girl Named Sydney, The Coldest Place. Mm -hmm. So it's a novel, but it's really your story.
1: Yeah, because, you know, my mom is still alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Enough said.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so how long were you up there? So I was up there that winter, and in um, the spring, the principal of the school said, you know, you have, you're a really good student, you have really good grades, you need to go to college. And I was like, well, that's not happening now. You know, forget it. I'm just going to go play in the bars with my guitar. I'm going to be Okay. And he said, I think, we, I think we found an answer for you. And he had gave me a Greyhound bus ticket round trip for one day, and I, I left from uh, Virginia, Minnesota, and like 5 o'clock in the morning, dropped me off at the St. Paul bus station, and he had given me a piece of paper, this is February, March of 1979, that had the name of the head of the English department at McAllister College, who was from up there and he had set up an interview with me, and, um, and they gave me a, a full scholarship for my songwriting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah McAllister also saved me. Um, but all the rest of those years that I was on my scholarship, I lived in the cabin. I would, I'd go back to the cabin, and I'd work at the re- nearby resort um, in the summers. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely an honorary Iron Ranger. <laughs> Um, tell us about the Legacy
0: Grant Program honoring the music of Bob Dylan.
1: Oh, okay, that's yeah. a cool thing. Oh, so this song that I just played for you, with the pr- proper name of it is "Gone Away," um, and in parentheses, it's called "Married to Bob Dylan." And my bandmates and I, we've played that song. I wrote it, um, it was on my very first album and it's on a a newer album now, a new recording of it. So I wrote it when I was in my 40s and I'm 61 right now. And I've played this song all over America, all over Europe. But suddenly this year, in 2022, um, a northern um, radio station, KAXE FM, they put together a, a Bob Dylan Legacy Grant for artists in the state of Minnesota who have been influenced by the work of Mr. Dylan. And um, God bless them, they thought of me, and they used my song, and I got a check in the mail, which for a starving artist is a big deal. And it was a much bigger deal that that I got this thing called a Bob Dylan Legacy Grant yes. award. <laughs> yes. For my little crazy song yes. called Mary yes. Bob. <laughs>
0: Courtney's going to be back to sing a second song But I have one more question for you We were talking earlier um, You told me about performing I think you were in the UK And you told me about performing And
1: some guy came to you and said What are your plans? Because you were older Now, like now This happened just like two and a half years ago Like right before the pandemic Yeah Yeah, a man came up and he said You know, I love your music I love your voice But, I mean, you know, clearly you're an older woman, why are you doing this to yourself? And what, what, are, you, what are you possibly hoping can come of this? And I, I said, I'm trying to make it big. And he, and he said, how big? With the most pained and, and, and slightly now disgusted look on his face how big like he didn't even want me to answer and i said as big as the songwriters who i admire
0: yeah you go for it courtney courtney Yasmine. thank she's gonna, you thank you Sue. she's gonna unplug Ready? okay i'm gonna turn the mic over to Dayang. yang
2: so i just got engaged <laughs> thank you <laughs> I was not expecting it when it happened, so props to my fiance for surprising me. It was very, very sweet. When I told my mom, she jokingly, but probably truthfully said, you're never going to be a good nya, so just do what you can. Now, you may be wondering, what makes up a good nya? What is that? Well, a nya is what you would call your sister or daughter-in-law in the Hmong culture. And now, obviously, it is going to vary from family to family, but the most general things a nya should have is the ability to cook, clean, take care of her husband, pop out babies, which, by the way, I am not thinking of having for at least another 10 years. And then lastly, can kill chicken. We use them as sacrificial offerings when we do spirit callings. So you don't want Anya who beheads a chicken to offer to your ancestors. You know, God no. Just a tiny slit on the throat. Dainty, like how a lady should be. But you know, that's what's stupid. See I want to help my family out so I'll go to the kitchen and pick up a vegetable but then I am a cause of worry if I don't know what ingredient goes into X dish and I have to ask what you want me to prep more of. I don't know what you want me to do with the cilantro. Can you help me out instead give me the you really don't know face? Can I ask a question so I can help you out by doing it the way you want it and not get looked at like seriously you're asking this? I'm confused. I thought we were trying to help each other out. You know, I have had a history of anxiety and a competitive nature when it comes to America's next top (laughs) nya. Because the girls in my family are always comparing or being compared to. And I'm not sure they realize they do that, but there are clearly roles a female and male should have and take on, and boy, did they instill that in us. <laughs> I remember being 12 and being scared to kill a chicken. And my grandma laughs at me and says, oh yo, If you can't kill a chicken, how are you going to be a daughter-in-law? <laughs> to which I just thought, I marry their son? <laughs> you know, I grew up not ever feeling good enough in my family, so I sat on the side. You know, not feeling good enough, so I just agreed that I'm contributing to the failing Hmong youth in America. Not feeling good enough that I agreed that I was never going to be good enough. But that's stupid! You know, another skill a Nya should have that may not be required in everybody's family, but it's definitely a thing, is rolling egg rolls. We eat egg rolls a lot, so it's like a meter to see how often you contribute in the kitchen by how well you roll egg rolls. That's why it's a thing, it makes sense. A couple of months ago, my fiance brought me to a family event of his. We arrived earlier to help and set up, and I'm excited because I really, really wanted to start bonding with the sisters more. You know, we walk in, and I make my way to the ladies, and they're sitting on the dining room table is a huge tub of agro stuffing. I silently screamed. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. But I'm an actor. I can fake it till I make it. I just gotta do some method acting, you know? I'm a world-class egg roll chef, and I've been making egg rolls for 30 years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what I am. So, okay, I'm hyped, mentally prepared-ish, and I grab a wrap, take a look at how much stuffing the ladies are grabbing, because I have no idea, put that amount on the wrap, and right before I begin wrapping, his sister says, okay, let's see how good of a yeah you are. the fear in my eyes but she laughed and said don't worry about it it's just us just roll it tight enough to fry because we're going to eat it whether it's too long or short or ugly yes egg roast can look ugly it's a thing as I am engaged now planning a wedding as well as preparing to become a nya I'm not too worried about where my worth lies And where is my fiance in his training to be a vow, the equivalent of being a nya? Well, they don't have boot camp for learning how to be a good son-in-law. Isn't that stupid? In fact, I asked my dad if he had a regime to follow as a young lad on how to be a good vow. And he simply said he had to learn as he went. That makes sense. So that's what I'll do. I'll learn as I go. I am going to be a nya as me. I am going to do what works in my relationship as me. And I am enough as me. And there ain't no chicken or egg roll that can tell me otherwise.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Day. Thank you, thank you, Day. Um, Okay, some of you are tracking this story. Uh, on July 23rd, at a rally in Tampa, Florida Congressman Matt Gates said this about abortion rights activists. Why is it that women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions? Nobody wants to impregnate you if you look like a thumb. They're disgusting. Have you seen them? They're all five-two, 350 pounds. 19-year-old Olivia Juliana criticized his remarks on Twitter, along with hundreds of others. And in retaliation, Gates singled out Olivia and tweeted a photo of her along with the phrase, Dander Raised. Okay, so now it was personal for her, yes, and also incredibly dangerous. Olivia responded by starting a fundraiser for the Gen Z for Change abortion fund. She said, nobody should be tolerating a sitting congressman bullying a teenager, regardless of your opinions on abortion. Within 24 hours, she had reached her initial fundraising goal of $50,000. To date, she has raised $2.2 million. And she has chosen 50 abortion funds in various states that are gearing up to receive an influx of patients from places where abortion has been banned or restricted. So Olivia Juliana grew up as a queer Latina in a small conservative rural Texas community. She said, I've been mocked, ridiculed, and harassed for most of my life. I will not tolerate that kind of behavior anymore now she's being asked to endorse candidates and speak at rallies she's fielding crazy offers to pay for her college tuition and for big huge jobs when she graduates she's inundated with daily requests for tv appearances and photo shoots and she's 19 years old when i was 19 years old in 1976 i was starring in my very first professional theater gig I was playing the role of an elderly woman who poisons lonely men to put them out of their misery. Otherwise known as arsenic and old lace. Okay, the fact that I am still not old enough to play the parts that I played when I was 19 years old is not lost on me. But you know what, okay, so I was doing my thing, right? I was doing my thing, I was trying to start my career, and that's okay. You know, we can't all want to change the world when we're 19. So there's no real need to compare what Olivia's doing now and what I was doing then. But you know, there is one thing that I did have when I was 19 years old that Olivia doesn't have. I had the ability to make my own decision legally and safely about whether I wanted to have a child. She does not have that. So to say we're going backwards 50 years is not just hyperbole. It is happening. Olivia Giuliani was bullied and fat-shamed by a grown-up congressman. She organized, and she fought back. And as we say on the island, W.W. shush. When women show up, shit happens. Yep. Thank you for showing up, Olivia. We see you, we hear you, we believe in you. Yes! (laughs) Breaking news.
2: Thanks for hating, it helps the movement. A 19-year-old raises over two million for abortion access in less than a week. Birth
0: control denied by Walgreens pharmacist over faith. Court rules in his favor.
2: Texas Church illegally alters Hamilton. Musical ends with sermon comparing being gay to drug addiction. Heckler
0: laughs during speech on Uvalde's shooting. Beto O'Rourke lashes out. Crowd cheers. NPR not happy. There were children and elderly present.
2: Donald Trump Jr. shares meme about stepmother Melani's underwear in a closet as family reacts to FBI raid.
0: Marjorie Taylor Greene opposes solar panels because they would cause the lights to turn off at night. I like the lights to stay on, she said. I don't want to have to go to bed when the sun sets.
3: Shutting out the noise That story's on replay Who's getting screwed today Stop scrolling through my phone It makes me feel depressed I hate the way I dress Seems like the narrative Here's someone else's bit And I just go along with it Who? I speaking for It's not for me, it's not for me It's not for me Everything I do is for the approval of you and you don't give a damn Everything I do is for the approval of you and you don't give a damn Oh the lines, watching someone else's life, all the trends, all the headlines, like a crushing weight, build on my soul till it breaks, it's so loud I can't hear myself, is that me, is that me, is that me, everything I do is for the approval of you and you don't give a damn, Oh, everything I do is for the approval of you and you don't give a damn Oh, everything I do is for the approval of you and you don't give a damn trying to get that clutter out it feels so noisy in my mind and i just need to simplify what's important to me who i am and who i could be is teetering on a fine line about a million miles high i'm jumping off the high dive now i can't go back i don't know how there's better things to worry about injustices are all around so think what you will think of me you're probably not even thinking. There's liberation in this song My hope is that you'll sing along Everything I do is for the approval of you And you don't give a damn Sing with this Oh, everything I do is for the approval of you And you don't give a damn Oh, everything I do is for the approval of you And you don't give a damn Oh, everything I do is for the approval of you, and you don't give a damn.
0: with Kyle Kimlin. Kyle Kimlin on electric guitar. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, A very good friend of of ours, some of ours, Peg Guilfoyle. She's a wonderful writer and an observer of life. And her current work is in a series she calls Motley Peg, Essays About Anything and Everything. Her latest book is Singing All the Verses, Essays from a Moon American. And you can find all her writing at PegGilfoyle.com. Now, Peg sent this beautiful piece about this summer road trip to me. And I was so hoping that she could share it on the show tonight. But she wasn't available. So she asked me to read it. And I said, okay, I will. So here is Summer Road Trip by Peg Gilfoyle. One of the signature aspects of the pandemic for me has been a profound sense of confinement which may be why I found such pleasure this summer in modest solo road trips. The Midwest world is beautiful even though driving alone at 65 miles per hour allows only brief impactful glimpses then the beauty is behind you and you are moving on on US 31, what we used to call a divided highway, runs south in the state of Indiana, bisected by crossroads, large and small. It is immensely and entirely flat. Still, after a long constriction, one's eyes are fresh to everything. Here are quick mental snapshots I caught from behind the wheel, driving alone straight down the center of the country. The side of a freight train in the distance, headed east with 13 tankers and three graffiti-covered boxcars, incongruously urban, no caboose, and the long Doppler howl of its whistle as it crossed the highway. Local radio stations with crop reports and funeral announcements and ads for very small businesses read by very earnest, thespian-oriented employees. Empty perimeters of shade trees geometrically square like former farmyards. Perhaps a peony near where the door may have stood and a windbreak to the north and west. Plains winter winds are fierce. Long-legged farm equipment towering over the young rows meant to leave room for the crops to grow tall. An old roadside cemetery with the highway so close that the headstones were leaning over the ditch. One only hopes the cemetery occupants are on the other side of the stones. A hand-painted road sign, shuffleboards, new, used, custom, installation. I didn't know you could buy shuffleboards on the secondary market or have them customized and or have them installed. A car, not at all new, passing me fast with a bumper sticker for the Daystrom Institute for Advanced Robotics, of course, a kindred spirit, make it so. One glimpse of a small, unmoving gray pony leaning against a fence, and nearby, a Bigfoot silhouette in a vast, empty field of young hay, apparently approaching the human habitat at the top of the slope, and of course, the high and constant blue sky curving from horizon to horizon. We are small, are we not? With our busyness and our concerns. And then Peg ends her essay with this. What have you seen this summer that bears witness to the beauty and wonder that we can find in this difficult world? So for me, personally, for Sue, what has borne witness to beauty and wonder this summer is experiencing a beautiful, gorgeous sunset across Lake Minnetonka in a lovely boat with family. So how about you? Beauty, what you've witnessed, wonder, anything this summer? Give me a word, give me a phrase, call it out, anybody, anybody, a cougar. Anybody? Anybody else? A full moon. Yes, a full moon. Any Dear friends. Children's laughter. Anybody else? Bald eagles, a beautiful wooden trail. Yes, anything else? Fireworks. Bison? I love bison. Anybody else? Full moon in swimming class, children Children in swimming class in a full moon too, maybe. (laughs) Why not? Beautiful. One more. How about one more? Diamonds sparkling on the water. Diamonds sparkling on the water. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for participating. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zippy. Courtney Yasmine, song number two coming up here. Come on up, Courtney. All right, Courtney. So for this next song, you said that you just recently discovered that you have lived both at the headwaters of Minnehaha Creek
1: and now at the place where it empties into the Mississippi. Yes, I discovered this during the pandemic um, I, have, I had recently moved um, into the city to a, sm- a small house near the Minnehaha Falls, and I got a new puppy during the pandemic. And so he took me on some walks, and I realized that we were walking to the place where the Minnehaha empties into the Mississippi River, and it's that point in, in the Twin Cities very beautiful. It seems like a cathedral or something. There's something about it that's really, really great. Wow, cool. And the,
0: the song is called The Creek, and you were telling me just recently that it was named in the top 10 <laughs> of an independent music chart, The Fab, in mm-hmm. the UK. Yes. As of one of the yes. best new original song recordings of 2022. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So here's A
1: little song about the Minnehaha Creek. I know. From the UK, right, so he's British. C- the British lighter. It's Courtney. Uh, so I played this song for my 26-year-old, my youngest child. Um, when I thought it was finished, but it turned out that he said, "Mom, it, it just sort of craps out." <laughs> so I was mad and. Uh, and then I walked along the creek some more, and I thought, what am I missing? What didn't get sad? And I wrote the second half. And he and I are in agreement that it turned out well. <laughs> I've been a coward and a liar. Here I go again, beating myself up, always praying for liftoff. But I'm no high flyer At best I'm like that creek That rolls right past me From the big lake Through the woods and through the city Takes its exit Into that Russian river Who pays it no mind Babbles along Cheery and unknowing Takes the scenic route Spends its energy Uses itself up With every twist and turn And finally gives itself To the whole Disappears completely Into that Russian river Who pays it no mind Doesn't have time Oh, but what a joy Each day brings With its twists and turns And waterfalls Oh, what a joy it brings Eternally I am that water Rolling free I am that water Rolling free I am that water water. I was stuck on My reflection couldn't make myself into what I wanted to be. There was nothing, no, there was nothing ever good enough about me, not that I could see. So I got caught up in the current and swept along by forces outside of me a husband or a lover three babies who needed their mother and me getting tossed about one way or another no answers, no apologies, no nothing nothing good enough for me but that's all in the past now and I've learned some lessons been put to the test now Watch that water running past me up to the headwaters. I rode the rapids, crossed the bridges, seen it turn to ice and overflow its banks in the springtime. Nearly dry up in summer, ready to die. Oh, but nothing, no, nothing ever changes its mind. Oh, and what a joy each day brings with its twists and turns and waterfalls. Oh, what a joy it brings eternally. I am that water rolling free. I am that water rolling free. I am that water. water Rolling free, I am that water. Rolling free, I am that water.
0: Courtney, thank you so much. Just beautiful. Thank you so much, Courtney. All right, please welcome my guest for the conversation, Mickey Morissette. Come on up, Mickey. It's time. Come on up. Hi, Mickey. Hi. How cool. <laughs> How cool. And you've got people here. i well, got
4: people here. I think you have
0: a lot of people here. Got yeah, you've got a lot of people back here. here, back here back yeah, you've got a lot of people here. Okay, so I'm going to run through a little bit of your um, bio first, just for those who do or do not know you. So you are the owner and editor of Minnesota Women's Press Magazine. Yes, okay, it's a monthly publication, has been sharing the authentic voice and powerful vision of women since 1985. You recently launched Changemakers Alliance, or CALL, a new model of collaborative media that is not simply reported for community, but with community. You previously owned Bimondo Publishing, a communications company, where you were a multimedia content producer. You wrote and self-published the popular book, Choosing Single Motherhood, The Thinking Woman's Guide, and coined the term choice moms for single women who choose motherhood by donor insemination or adoption. You are a choice mom yourself, and you have two beautiful grown-up children, and they're both here, right?
4: Woo-hoo. Okay. Yes, they are.
0: I was not going to point them out, but they already raised their hand and said, yeah, that's us. <laughs> so there they are. Thank you for coming. Um, okay. When I was doing all sort of the, you know, kind of reading about you and doing all my research, what kept coming to the surface was terms like story sharing and telling stories and engaging people through story development. So stories
4: all about stories it's all about stories it is all about stories yeah that's where we find our humanity yeah and that's where we connect with each other yeah I mean that's what we
0: that's how that feels for what we're doing for you know for the show I mean I to me it is there's nothing better than a story and personal story right mm-hmm. um you said you knew you wanted to be a writer and a journalist a Barbara Walters type as you said yeah when she you, was it when you were 12 yeah and then um when I asked you about what informed that, that early drive, you told me that there were three pivotal moments in your life
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. that informed your se- sense of self and steered your ambition. So we're gonna go through those three things. So the first one is you're about eight mm-hmm. and a call goes out to your hometown asking for uh, local folks to host members of a visiting gospel choir from Chicago. Yeah. Tell us that story.
4: Yeah, so we, I lived in, uh, grew up in Prior Lake, Minnesota my parents uh, heeded the call at our Catholic church to host a couple members of the of a gospel choir from Chicago, and we had a lovely little neighborhood in rural Prior Lake and a lovely neighbor across the street that I knew as a, a a fun guy. He was really really upset that we had a couple black people in our house for a few days and wow. I could not understand it yeah. and so there was something about the curiosity about how somebody could kind of have a value system that was so weird to me so for me, I think it embedded a little bit of psychology of why people think the way they do and why people think so differently about things and yeah. not being able to understand it. I mean, we still don't understand it. No, I know, I <laughs>
0: know. But it definitely informed your sense of oh, this this is what racism is. Yeah, that and I very... didn't have
4: the word for it certainly yeah. at the time. But the intolerance and and the the prejudice, I just I I couldn't understand it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the next pivotal moment you were telling me about is that you're in seventh grade and you're learning about the evils of smoking. Yeah. Yeah. And your dad was a heavy smoker.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wrote him a letter to talk about the evils of smoking. And I, you know, put a lot of heart and soul in it. And he quit smoking cold turkey. And I was like, wow, I'm so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> and it did really, that also, at a very early age, made me realize the power of words to be able to persuade um, and make an impact. And that was, that was huge. Yes, yes, yes. And
0: then in eighth grade, you're studying the Holocaust in middle school. Your mother has gone back to college and her humanities professor at the U of M is a Holocaust survivor, and he shares his story with you.
4: Yeah, my mom, it was the first interview I had ever done. My mom thought I should learn straight from somebody who had experienced the Holocaust about what that was like for him as a boy. And so I sat across from this um, man who just told me very frankly and very honestly about his life, And it was sacred. I mean, you know how that is. When somebody shares... And that's what the power of story is. Somebody shares their life with you, and it's a sacred thing. And so for somebody to entrust me like that, a kid, was also incredibly powerful. Yeah. Were you thinking at that point, um, yeah, I want to keep doing this? Yeah. It was embedded very early on at that point. I was... I actually... When my grandmother gave me her old typewriter as a christmas gift and i burst into tears it was like the best gift oh. ever <laughs> oh
0: funny when you also you said you said you started school newspapers in grade school in high school in college you said you studied journalism and here right mm-hmm. But you were working so much uh, with public radio and, and all. Did you really go to class much? I did not.
4: Don't tell my son. He's about to start Uh-oh. college. We didn't. Uh, but yeah, it I was worked. a different time. It was. It was a yes. different time. You can't time. do that now. No. Uh, it's all about grades. Uh, it's all about grades now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I was at the University of Minnesota. I worked at the Minnesota Daily Newspaper. I worked at TPT for a while. I worked with North Stars at the time. I did radio, and I just loved it all, but then I knew that I wanted to go into magazines, um, and so I ended up going to New York.
0: I love the image that you talk about of being in New York and standing in front of the Times building in tears. The New York Times building in tears, hoping someday you'll be able to work there. Yeah, I was nerdy,
4: and you did, but yeah. you did
0: work there. I did. Yeah, I you did. did. So it paid off I, the tears and all of it paid it off. It did.
4: I even went to St. Patrick's Cathedral. I was a lapsed Catholic by that point. I even went there and and prayed.
0: <laughs> oh, the power of prayer! Sometimes, sometimes it actually works. Um, okay, so. You married a co-worker, a writer-reporter at the time in New York. Actually, Sports
4: Illustrated. Oh, sports I, was, I was at Sports Illustrated for kids. He was at Sports Illustrated.
0: Okay. That relationship
4: did not work out, so then you, you were dating another co-worker. Mm-hmm. We just worked all the time, so it's the only place we would find people. Sure, of course. <laughs> but
0: what's interesting to me is is uh, moving into the choice mom uh, situation. and So you were talking about your body clock was ticking. Mm-hmm. And... The boyfriend didn't really, wasn't interested in moving forward, mm-hmm. right?
4: Well, I think I, uh, very point blank said, I would like to have a child with you. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he wasn't quite, I was, because I think I was, yeah, 35, 36. And he
0: said, well, what time is he, it? I got to so go. He was like, I got to go. <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> he was nice, though. He took me out to a very nice poetry reading in Soho and then the, for my birthday. And then the next day we broke up. <laughs> But wow. yes, I was ticking. So, yeah. was that when the whole idea of I'm just gonna go ahead and do this by myself? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was. I mean, at that point, it's like, well, this is what I want to do. Let's figure out how to do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was yeah 36.
0: And then at the same time, Murphy Brown. Oh. The Dan Quayle Murphy Brown thing. Remember, <laughs> Murphy Brown is destroying America or whatever. I have his real quote right here. <laughs> it doesn't help matters when prime time tv has murphy brown a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent highly paid professional woman mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice which is what it is (laughs) so there was that going on but you're like yeah yeah. Call me Murphy. <laughs> um, she was a
4: journalist on TV. It was another I know. role model. That wasn't a heavy lift. <laughs> so
0: were there rule books and support groups and clinics? And
4: I did not know at the time if there was. I yeah. just knew I had to figure out how to do this. And so, uh, so I figured out how to do it. And yeah. then I decided that that's, I needed to write more about it because there were so many women that were making the same choice so
0: without uh, the resources yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah, and as a journalist, that sort of kicked in for me. It's sure, like we need to talk to fertility doctors, adoption experts, people who know you know can talk about what it's like to grow up without a father, what it's like to grow up in a single parent home, how to not mess up your kids. Um, so, and then and then I interviewed choice kids, people who were older and had grown up in that lifestyle, and other women who had made this choice, and and also the things that they were afraid of. So it was a big big book
0: yeah and so the book is called choosing single motherhood the thinking woman's guide released in 2008 and as I said you coined the phrase choice moms and then there was a website discussion groups eventually a podcast and you got a sponsorship from a sperm bank mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> and they liked me
0: <laughs> I love this and so and you were talking about you travel and you give workshops about choice moms and sperm (laughs) and you wrote an essay in 2013 titled All About Sperm and I just love your opening line and I'm going to quote you here, this is your opening line on on this essay, in a few hours I will stand up in front of a room full of people and talk about sperm for 45 minutes, (laughs) I don't know you need to go on after that really, (laughs) that's it, right? But you were t- we were talking about you were saying that there are different workshops around the country. Women would, because of sort of, uh, I don't know, geographical cultural norms or whatever. There, like in San Francisco, there was a lot of interest in in-home insemination, mm-hmm. or as you called the turkey baster method. <laughs> whatever. I guess that's inside. That's an inside thing. New York women would say, "Hey, we don't even like to do our own nails," so right. you know. Why don't you? <laughs> um but then there were some poignant things there were there were women who came to the workshop maybe after miscarrying yeah yeah Um, yeah
4: it was was super powerful to the sperm bank wanted me to do these workshops and i didn't want to just stand up there and say hey here i know everything listen to me so i instead developed it as kind of a it it became it became a support group um not intended but you just gather women together in a room and they would share their stories and one woman had reported that she had just um, she had just had a miscarriage that morning wow she wasn't sure she wanted to come but then she thought where else did she want to be yeah and so it was things like that that were just incredibly poignant and and great myriad of stories that she were dealing with yeah yeah there was one, there was one woman uh who had I had had a workshop in her city, and she came to a different workshop in a different state because she knew that it was too late for her. She was in her late 40s, and she knew that it was too late for her, and she didn't want to be in a room where people might know her, but she went to a different workshop so she could cry and get support about the fact that this dream, that particular dream was dying for her. Yeah. And then Bill (laughs) O'Reilly
0: wanted you to talk on his radio show about the book. <laughs> yeah. And you said no. And tell us why you said no.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they had a staff person vet me. So we had a conversation, and the staff person wanted me to be able to say, basically, that men are irrelevant And not necessary, and that that was, you know, a big reason people were becoming choice moms. And I said, well, that's not true. Men are not irrelevant, and I'm not going to say that. And then that, you know, that meant I wasn't going to go on the show. Yeah. (laughs) They wanted, yeah, exactly. Right, good for you. Good
0: for you. He wanted to create a controversy that wasn't there. But you you admitted you were a little disappointed that you couldn't, as you say, tussle with him about it. Yeah,
4: it would have been kind of fun.
0: Yeah, that would have been kind of fun. Okay, I know your daughter's right here, but I have to tell this story. Um, You tell this story about driving in a car, and at the time she was seven years old, and she says, I know choice moms go to sperm bank so they can become a mother, but how do men get the sperm out? (laughs) I have to, I know, I have to. It's just too good,
4: it's too good. Sorry, I didn't tell her that, Sophia. No, no, no.
0: It, it's, you, no it's in your writings. I stalk people.
4: Remember, yes. I do my
0: prep. No, no, no. I found it in one of your writings. It's out there, Mickey. Yeah, people are it reading is. it. It is. People are reading it. But it's just adorable because it's like, yeah. hmm, I'm really up on part of this. Yeah. The other part, I'm not so quite so sure about. And
4: I'm usually not at a loss for words, but I really couldn't figure out how to answer her at seven I like honesty, but I wasn't sure how to explain it, so I just stared ahead. I think.
0: <laughs> so do you do you keep? Um, I mean, I know you've 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 got this big huge job now with you. You you bought the uh, Women's Press magazine. Is there a network of choice moms that you've you've kept in touch with and? Um,
4: there have been. They're all over, obviously, yeah. and uh, I haven't been able to do as much since I bought the magazine five years ago. But yeah. I do certainly still have a network that I've gotten to know. There's. We were just in Ireland recently, and one of the choice moms there, uh, who I've connected with for years but not really seen, uh, we got together, and that was lovely. There, there's a. It's it's a bond. Yeah.
0: Right. I would bet okay so you bought the women's press magazine in 2017 Yep. okay so really why you tell me why I don't mean to go why hello I mean it's like so tell us why
4: yeah well it was 2017 it wasn't long after the election and I'm sorry which election (laughs) and it was definitely not Time to let a feminist publication die. Right. We are the oldest running feminist publication in the country. <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, we, we got some woohoos. Yes. <laughs> So I had no interest in running a business, but I knew that there was a lot of stories that we needed to be doing and that we could be doing, and thankfully my mother, who's also here, had saved up a lot of money as a nurse in her life, and she was able to give me the down payment, and then a feminist at a bank, because I was a freelance writer for a long time, I didn't have money sitting around, a feminist at a bank let me have a bank loan. There's
0: a feminist at a bank somewhere?
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is it called the Feminist Bank? Actually, she now runs her own bank. And she's in Blaine. She's been able to kind of make her mark. In Blaine? There's a feminist in Blaine? Yeah. Yeah. I'm impressed. (laughs) They're everywhere. It's in the water.
0: I'm sorry. Anybody from Blaine here? Anybody? Anybody? No? Close? Okay. Anyway, so the Feminist Blainer, Blaine Banker gives you a loan, and um, no, I just love the description. That's just so funny. So this feminist gives me a loan, <laughs> yes. and because because here's what you're saying is if she had not been a feminist, she'd go, uh-uh, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. What do you think you're going to do with that? Make it big? No, I'm going to make <laughs> it really big, right, Courtney?
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you had worked for them, but you said you would never been an owner before. Yeah,
4: I was. How's that been? <laughs> well, I was freelance for a long time. I'm very good at doing things on a solo way, and people tell me what they want, and I deliver it. So yeah, running a running a company was a very different thing for me to do. It's a small team. One of our members is here. A potential future member is here. Yay. So we um, we cobbled a lot of stuff together. Just tried to figure out what on earth it meant to run a company. But we did have. Uh, couple of years to kind of get things rolling. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah, right. And so Lovely. We, we rely on uh, advertising from small business owners. And it was tough for everybody. Um, yeah. But we survived. And a lot of independent publisher yes. publications did not. A lot of that is because we have some very good supporters, one <laughs> table of people here. So... It's well, and it's
0: and for the people listening on the podcast, it's a free magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a free magazine, and it's the stories. Talk about stories. There's there's sort of no subject that you don't hit. Do you feel like you took it any sort
4: of a different direction? I did definitely want to do more first-person narratives okay. to have more people tell their own stories. And since I've been a long-time editor, I can kind of nurture through that. We now have a great associate editor who's also helping dig deep. So I'm very proud that we've done a lot more uh, with a very diverse set of voices. Um, and so it's it's very enjoyable, but... Every month, it's a new magazine. (laughs) I know, I hear you.
0: Um, Okay, so I want to talk real quick about uh, CALL, the Changemakers Alliance. Tell us what that is, really.
4: Yeah, you know, a couple years ago, during the pandemic, we put together the 35 Years of Minnesota Women book, and one of the things that really hit me is the fact that, of course, we've been writing about the same issues over and over and over again because so many of them haven't been ERA, as for example, mm-hmm. uh, has not moved. Um, right. We are still facing a lot of gender based violence. We still haven't been funding healing trauma. We're still having a lot of issues with transforming justice. We still have ecofeminists out there. So it's over and over and over again. And it was frustrating as a longtime storyteller and journalist to realize we're just telling the same stories. Yeah. So what we need is to get the stories plus conversations into action steps. So Changemakers Alliance gives us the opportunity to take stories a step and two steps beyond. What we really want to do is connect the urban with the rural, yeah. and then together we figure out what it is that we can do in our communities together and collaboratively, because women do that very well.
0: Yes. Or can. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Mickey, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much <laughs> Thank you for coming tonight and sharing this. Mickey Morris said, "Everybody." Mickey Morris said, "Thank you." And thank you to Courtney Yasmine, and Day Yang, and Zibby Lasky, and Kyle Kimlin. And thank you to our engineers, Katherine Horowitz, with Dylan Payne assisting, and Lexi Carlson. Thank you for the light, and Amanda Shavik, Thank you for the pictures. And thank you to our wonderful volunteer Suzanne Egley and the fabulous staff here at the Women's Club. OK. Yes. We will be back next month for another live island of discarded women everybody. I'm Sue Scott. Thank you. Thank you.